welcome to Musical Pathways, the podcast which focuses on the different pathways musicians take in order to reach their musical goals. Today we are going to talk to a therapist over here at Musical, so you can get to know him a little bit better. Today we have a professional lead of music therapy for Cornwall Music Service Trust, a classical guitarist by trade and a musical therapist for the past 15 years in schools and hospitals. Helping students to unlock their feelings and thoughts through music, we have the amazing Liz Eddy. Hello. Hi Liz, how's it going? Very good, thank you. Good. So as I said at the top, we're going to be having a look at the ways in which music's developed your skills and impacted your life throughout your career. Okay, sounds interesting. The first question I ask everyone is, what role did music play as you were growing up as a kid? I think the biggest role that music played probably was my dad is a guitar player and I remember from a very young age trying to play my dad's guitar and he had a big acoustic guitar and when I was little I would try and reach over to try and strum the strings obviously couldn't quite reach because I was only small but and then I remember sometimes my parents were having friends over and I used to sneak down the stairs and listen to my dad playing guitar downstairs. Oh it used to be like a entertainer of the yeah. evening whenever they had anyone over yeah when people came over and they'd had a few glasses of wine i think the guitar would come out ah but nice so you so you were kind of used to people performing with like openly in your house almost like it, it wasn't only going to performances and seeing people playing you were used to seeing your dad yeah just my dad my mum yeah. didn't play at all not really she sing or anything or no she nice. wasn't musical in the same kind of way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, but you always grew up around your dad. And yeah. when did you then pick up the guitar? Was it, I take it, you probably were playing it at home, like you said, anyway. But did yeah. you did you start teaching yourself or was it I your actually, dad? Or? I didn't go straight to guitar. I had okay. a bit of a roundabout route to starting to properly play the guitar. So I did recorder at school. Like Classic. Everyone many kids recorder. did. <laughs> <laughs> it was the early 80s when I started primary school and recorder was the thing we all did. So it did recorder. And then I can't remember exactly why, but I started having lessons on the flute. All right. Yeah. Well, I think that happened quite a lot because that I'm not a flute or recorder player. No. But I think the fingerings for both are relatively similar yeah, to some extent. So exactly. I, I, I think like... It was a natural progression, especially when recorder was massive. I mean, we just talked to Sean and she did the exact same thing. Yeah. So did she played flute first. Yes. Yeah. I think it was quite an accessible instrument as well. You can ca- put it in a little case and carry it to school when you're only small yeah. and um, have a bit of a go at playing. And have. So I'm sure I had my lessons at school. And I think I got quite good quite quickly because right. one of my early memories of flute playing, was, I think I was about eight or nine, not particularly old. And I was asked to play a solo in the school concert. Oh, really? I know. And I wasn't a very confident child. I think not quite confident enough to say, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so you, you, were, you were so nervous that you didn't want to do it, but also not so nervous that you couldn't say so, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the perfect so storm. I, I only half remember the actual performance, but um, I played a solo and then, one of the school teachers accompanied me and I think afterwards my mum said to me oh that didn't go very well did it oh, that's always a that's always a good start isn't it it wasn't a good start but I, I just played really really fast I'd yeah. learned all the notes in the right order and I just played through them as fast as I possibly could in order to get off the stage yeah yeah and the teacher desperately tried to keep up with my very fast flute playing right and that was the only time I played the flute 
you know, in public. That is, I find that's like not a, not an uncommon problem. Like with nerves, is that like that increased tension just increases tempo? Yeah. And you, like it's the worst if you've got like a really nervous drummer because <laughs> yeah, just, everything just starts like <laughs> speeding up as you're going through the song and everyone's just looking around like oh my god and the, the worst bit is when the drummer looks at you and you can see in their eyes they're like they know. i don't know how to slow down <laughs> you can just see in their eyes they're just like i know i'm fast i know i'm going fast there's no way of me stopping this at the minute and I, yeah i think that nerves thing and just playing quickly is is a real big thing actually and i i know that I always try and get kids to play as slow as they yeah. can in the hopes that, that, that they're, they're prepared they for the possibility that they're going to speed up as yeah, soon yeah. as someone's watching them. Yeah, yeah. And, and if they speed up from being really slow, hopefully they won't speed up to really fast. <laughs> they might just end somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that that put you off, though. That, that basically that, put me off the flute. Yeah. Right. Okay. I Did you stop playing it? Like, I don't think away? it was as dramatic as I put the flute away that day and never played it again. Although it might have been. Yeah. I can't quite remember, but flute wasn't really the thing after that. I gravitated towards the guitar and my dad was my first teacher. I'm That's a, nice. Yeah. Did, did he, you enjoy your dad being your teacher? I did. And I learned with my older sister, who's only a year older than me. Oh, right, okay. So I remember sitting in the living room and we both had quite cheap, but sort of decent um, nylon string guitars yeah, yeah. and learning to play some songs that we could strum. And learning a few chords nice and i particularly remember the song when i needed a neighbor which is not a classic tune no, i don't even know that, is that <laughs> it is was that... like an assembly tune back in the day oh right okay yeah like um what's a color box was one that from my school no one knows yeah but that was that was like the... it wasn't a great song no, but no. it got me playing my first d chord my first g chord yeah, yeah so. fair. like when you can do a lot of those open chords it does just mean that you can do quite a lot of songs with those just standard open chords, can't you? So, yeah, yeah it's a good thing that it taught you that at the very least. And yeah. you, that was just with your dad? That was just did, with my dad. Did you ever do any, like, um, lessons with a teacher when I you did. were learning? Again, it's, it's not a direct path through learning. So there was a bit of rivalry between myself and my sister because we're close in age. Of course. Yeah, she's course. a year older. So she started classical guitar lessons and was quite good, so I didn't although I quite liked classical guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I went and had lessons on electric guitars instead. Right, yeah. And I went to a teacher called Tony Sutherland. And I, used, I remember getting on the bus by myself and going to his house with right. my electric guitar and going to have my lessons and feeling like I was really cool. So, <laughs> Where was this to? Uh, in Loughborough. Loughborough. So I lived in the East Midlands at the okay. time. Yeah. So. so you went and had lessons with Tony while your sister was doing the classical. Yes. Right, yeah. 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 So I had electric guitar lessons for quite a few years and that took me through my music GCSE. Yeah. So I remember playing with a group of other students when I was doing my music GCSE. Cool. I remember playing a version of Easy Lover and spending... <laughs> <laughs> I spent hours and hours and hours learning the guitar solo for Easy Lover. I was going to say, it's got, it's got an all right guitar solo, hasn't it's it? It's not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think. It's, it's actually got a cool guitar line in general. But yeah. maybe not. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe not the first song that I'd think about for playing on the guitar. But well, I don't know if it was my choice. I can't remember if yeah. it was uh, one that one of the other students had particularly wanted right. to do. I can't quite remember why it was that song, but I just remember spending a long time learning there's that some, guitar like, solo. There's some fairly difficult hits in that song as well, aren't there? Like, it wasn't easy. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's not the easiest song. Now I'm now I'm thinking about it. That's 
pretty tricky. But then I guess it's for GCSE music as yeah. a performance piece. So, you know, probably yeah. did okay out of that, I'd imagine. I think I did okay yeah, out of that. Yeah, it was probably difficult enough that it, yeah. it hit all the marks. <laughs> I, think we got, I think we got enough marks. We did only you as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you, um, was your sister still playing guitar by then or? Do you know, I can't quite remember. Yeah. But you hadn't transitioned over no, to classical? No, I didn't transi- transition until, it must have been around that time actually I started yeah. having classical guitar lessons. Right. And I learned from, part of the reason I learned is because there was a classical guitar teacher living in the same cul-de-sac. Oh, right, okay, yeah. So I don't know if I'd stopped electric guitar and started classical, if I did both for a while, but. Right. I moved towards learning classical guitar. And I think I found the challenge of learning to read music and understanding music and the complexities of trying to play things on a classical guitar. I really enjoyed that challenge. Yeah. So I got I mean, quite drawn into it. It's very different, isn't it? Like I, I started off in like a rocky electric background and I know when someone put notes in front of me, I was like, yeah, I need to be able to do this. Like, yeah. There's a lot this. to learn. Yeah. And it's, um, it's a steep to climb as well i think yes yeah. i did feel because i guess by that time i was quite late starting an instrument i did feel like <clears> i was trying to catch up for quite a long time really I th- yeah, yeah i did definitely had that feeling what when did you start playing oh what on the classical you mean? with the classical guitar right, okay yeah. yeah but i think i i kind of think that if you've got an instrument that you can play to a good level actually picking up almost any other instrument you start with a kind of step up Yes. Like not that you've, you're you've already be learned something. It. Yeah, it's not that you're going to be good at it, but you've acquired the skills to become good at another instrument. Yeah. And that no matter what instrument this other instrument is in relation to your first one, the actual there's there's always going to be crossovers. There's always yeah. going to be bits of knowledge that fit onto both instruments. So, I'd agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I I think you always start with a little bit of a step up and Actually, it's not so bad. No. It's not so bad. But um, the first one's always the biggest struggle. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so you're playing classical guitar by now? Yes. And you went to university or college or...? Um, A-levels before then. So my parents separated. My dad stayed near Loughborough. Yeah. My mum moved to Southampton. So I decided to go and do my A-levels down in Southampton. Yeah, yeah. Now, on reflection, I'm not sure I'd advise 16-year-olds to move to an entirely new town to do their A-levels because <laughs> it, it wasn't the easiest time. No. But I, I mean, you've got to... But I guess, actually, when you go to college, though, it's a merging of lots of schools. Yeah, so there were people yeah. to open to new friendships mm. and yeah, yeah. new friendship groups. And yeah. I, I picked a college that taught music A-level because right, yeah. I decided that that was something I wanted to do and I had a really supportive A-level music teacher yeah, I'm trying to think. What college was that? It was at Taunton's College in Southampton. Right, okay. Yeah. Because I had a look at Bournemouth College at one point. Apparently yeah. that one's really good for music as well. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah. She was really good. Her yeah, name so was Jane. <laughs> what did you... Were you doing predominantly classical by that? I was doing predominantly classical guitar. And at some point during my A-level, I decided I wanted to do music at university. Right. And I remember quite a lot of people saying to me oh you can't possibly do that because you don't play piano and you don't have any grades and I don't think I'd taken any grade exams (laughs) so I said really you need a grade eight on your first instrument and you will need grade five piano so I had a bit of a panic trying to get some exams yeah I think that's more of like an old school thing now I think it's changed doesn't it yeah this when was this 92 right around that kind of time yeah 
Yeah, because when I went to university, which was 2000 and dates nine yeah. 2009 um i'm gonna guess it was that i did have a grade eight but it wasn't really important i went and did a performance audition to go yeah. into university anyway so you know i didn't need the grade eight because, no, because they, they need to know you can play yeah. yeah yeah they auditioned me like and um yeah, so I think a lot more schools do that now. They do I'm really pleased of, they do, because yeah, it yeah. can create a barrier that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, and I don't think you need piano. Like no. I told you earlier, <laughs> I am still terrible at the piano. Oh, I can, I'm terrible too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can, you know, mildly, I can play something that is somewhat a tune. <laughs> um, but it's, um, yeah, it's not it's Two hands? Oh, Two hands if my left hand is playing bass notes. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> bass notes chord. Bass note chord. Yeah, it just counts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just about. Yeah, yeah, just about do that, but not my instrument. I really need to get better at it. Really do need to get better at it. But yeah, that I think that barrier is a bit more out of the way now. I'm really pleased it has because it just there are young people for whatever reason don't always have the opportunities to have lessons and take exams. It doesn't mean they don't have you know, a desire to learn and an ability that they can get loads out of studying music. Yeah. And I think that's the thing really, isn't it? Like you, you go to university to, because you've got a real interest in something that you want to get better at. Yeah. So why should you already be absolutely at the top before you go? Because there's nowhere to go then, is there? No. So it makes, it makes complete sense that, that, that isn't there as a barrier anyway. Yes. Did you have to do performances and things that you need? I guess. I didn't do that much. I went to the University of Sheffield. So yeah. I got in on the basis that I was working hard towards my grade eight, grade eight and my how, how did they grade piano. you if you didn't perform? It was a modular course. Right. And you picked out you had to perform at the end of the first year, but after that you didn't have to. You could pick out different options oh, like right, okay. composition yeah, or something. Yeah. I did I did um, music technology. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Created stuff in the studio and handed that in instead. It's kind of cool, though. Yeah, and that is still a big option now. I think, in fact, much bigger. You know, you yeah. can just go do a tech course. Yeah, and there, there was loads of other stuff that we studied. We, I remember doing modules on um, emotional responses to music. Uh, was that your like first? Yeah, I think that <laughs> really drew me into the world of music therapy. I, I picked my modules partly based on which lecturer was running right, yeah, yeah. which module and the professor at the department at the time was professor eric clark and i liked his teaching style and i kept picking his things and there were things all around the psychology of music right okay so i got quite drawn into analyzing music and right. how people do experiments to see how people respond emotionally to different tracks and that's what cool, elements that's, of music that's that um that's basically your like first taste of therapy and that's what yeah. like did, did you know at the time that that was something you were really interested in? I didn't know. I completely <laughs> had no idea that's where I was going to go eventually. There was a music introduction to music therapy module and I didn't pick it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's ironic, isn't it? Yeah. There, there was actually a music teaching module in college. No, my first year of university I didn't take. But yeah. I did take it my third year. So, so you changed between year one and year yeah, three? Yeah, between year one and year three I changed my perspective on yeah. what I thought i might do <laughs> yeah but I, I don't think i knew what i wanted to do no i still don't no. think i did at that point i don't i don't think anyone really does no i don't i, I, I really i knew that i wanted to be studying music i yeah. was sure about that yeah but i didn't quite know where it was going to take me yeah because that's more like um 
what you're passionate about as opposed yeah. to what you're actually going to do with it afterwards <laughs> yeah and then what did you do after university did you i went into retail okay. so through university i always had a job and yeah. i first worked in a little shop called calm and classical okay. and it was a classical music shop basically vinyl or no cds cds at yeah that point? but it sold classical music and jazz and show soundtracks okay and I don't think it made any money. <laughs> <laughs> they spent more money on you being there than what yeah. they actually made from the, the sales that they provided. Yeah. <laughs> we, we did sell CDs to a, a few num- few specialist customers, but quite often it was me on my own or with another student in the shop. <laughs> and we'd always have assignments to do, so we're supposed to be studying Beethoven or Messian or some other composer. So I'd spend my time in the shop listening. listening to stuff that was relevant to my assignments. That's pretty cool though, isn't it? Like having the opportunity to listen. Yeah. Um, I know at university I got introduced to loads of types of music that I probably would have never listened to otherwise. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And and I still really like some of it today. Yeah. Um but I do think like why i do wonder why i didn't listen to it before like what my apprehension was about listening to a piece of music <laughs> I, I think we just all get into listening to we, like a comfort zone with our listening yeah yeah, yeah things that are familiar to you and you, you go back to things that are comfortable that's it so you're more likely to listen to a new album by an artist you've heard of than an, an album that pops up on a suggestion that you don't yeah know who and, they are and i also think if you trust someone and they suggest something to you you're yeah. much more likely to listen to it yes yeah and i think that's what where you like trust your lecturers or your teachers if they suggest a band or an artist to you yeah you know you, you're going to pick it up and be like oh, i better have a listen because i like them and they like it so therefore i might like it yeah <laughs> yeah i, rem- I, think the I same remember happens. all kinds yeah so, there was, a, there was a lot of focus on classical music and the, the classical music world, but I do remember lecturers referring to people like Nina Simone right, or okay. Underworld. I remember analysing an Underworld track at one point. Right. Transglobal Underground was one of the <laughs> lecturer's favourites. So all kinds of things popped up on the course. That's pretty it was, crazy, isn't it? It was. It was a big mixture. Yeah. But I, but like I said, it's like it's um, like your friends suggest music and you listen to them. And I, th- I think when you get to university, your teachers seem far more like friends yes. as opposed to teachers yeah it's a much more of a like um what's the word uh you more adult to adult relationship yes. rather than adult to yeah, child. it's like peer-to-peer yeah. rather yeah. than than someone like being your teacher over the top of you or what have you and then when did you come back to music after retail then? So i did retail for i don't know five or six years something like that mm-hmm. i was manager of music stores and then I think I just got to a point where I really enjoyed it, but I wasn't challenged by it. Right, yeah. So we were always busy. There's always stuff to do in a shop. But I think my brain wasn't, I felt the fact that my brain wasn't really digging as deep as it could do. Or yeah, I wasn't yeah. feeling the intellectual challenge. So I decided to apply for an MA in music therapy. And I kind of knew what it was. Yeah. But I wasn't entirely clear. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you had a rough idea of what music therapy might be yeah but what what drew you to that course then if if you didn't really 100% know what it was was there there, was there an external draw to it or it's a really good question I feel like I should have a clear answer to that I just I just just knew I wanted to do something different okay and 
I didn't think I'd get onto the course. Right. So I think my expectation was that I'd apply for a place on an MA music therapy course and they'd say, no, go away. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be the end of that. And then I'd think of something else to do. Right. But that's not what happened. Just fell into place. Well, it, it kind of did. The first interview I went to, it did happen that way. I went to interview at, um, it was the music college in Cardiff. The uni- okay. not, not university one, music, I forgot what it's called. Um, Royal College of Music in Wales or uh, yeah, that place. Welsh, uh, Welsh Royal College of Music. That one, yeah. yeah. So I went there. The interview went really badly. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically told me I couldn't possibly be a music therapist. It oh. wasn't for me. But the next week I went to Cambridge and interviewed over at Anglia Ruskin University and they offered me a place, so I went there, obviously. Meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing though. Like they I think that comes back to that same thing earlier that we were saying, well, you know, one teacher might fit you and another one doesn't. Yes. You know, literally. so yeah. <laughs> like your friend or peer or what have you. And so maybe it was that same thing with the interviewee. Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah. It just it wasn't just things didn't quite click. Yeah, in that yeah, context. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you so you went to Cambridge. I did. I like to say I studied in Cambridge because it say, sounds not, really impressive. Not the famous it Cambridge. wasn't actually Cambridge <laughs> University. <laughs> yeah, I did my MA in Cambridge. Yeah, but not at Cambridge University. And um, <laughs> <laughs> you just say it really quickly off the back and yeah. hope no one notices. Yeah, I studied in Cambridge, but not at university. Yeah, that's, that's just what I did. Um, so I lived in Cambridge for a year. And at the time, you did a postgraduate diploma in music therapy and then you could register with the HCPC and start working. And then you'd complete your MA thesis based on some of the practical work you were doing as a newly qualified therapist. So kind of like um, teacher training where where you you kind of do a course in it and do your learning and then you go out and have to fill a file of evidence essentially to prove that you can teach yeah it was pretty much like that then they've changed it now so you have to do a full ma before you register before you practice so they've standardized standardized that across all the trainings in in the uk what an ma in therapy before you You have to have an ma in music therapy then you register with hcpc which is the healthcare professions council Mm -hmm. and then you can practice as a music therapist interesting yeah so after you finished university yeah what did you then move on to did you go straight into working as a therapist i did yeah i went i went straight into work so this is 2007 and i got my first job working in an adult learning disability service and i ran a group there i was in loughborough and then at at the time i didn't know how much music therapy work i'd get so i started working as a travel agent (laughs) The obvious choice. <laughs> well, it wasn't the obvious choice, but it was a call centre <laughs> travel agent job, so you could right. do shift work. Right, okay. Which fit, and then I thought that was really good because I could pick shifts to fit around what other opportunities came up. Yeah. So I worked for them a little bit, selling flights to Dubai, and then did music therapy work in an adult learning disability centre. That's cool. And then a job came up in a special school in Leicester, and it was two days a week working in the school, and it was a proper employment contract. So. I really, really wanted the job and I thought, right, I'm going to apply for that, see if I can get it. And I, I got that job, so that was my first real big your, piece of music therapy work. How did you find the transition between learning about music therapy and then actually practically being a therapist? Well, it was massive, really, because we did an awful lot of theory in the course. Yeah, We did practice placements, but the practice placements, as it turned out, were all quite different to the work that I ended up doing. Yeah. Practice placements, I did um, 
now I think back, one in a psychiatric hospital in North London. I'd worked briefly in a special school, but that wasn't most of the practice placement. That was a short one. I worked in a private care home for people with dementia. Yeah. So I hadn't done that much of being in a school environment. And then I was employed as a music therapist <laughs> with a full timetable of work to do. Yeah, because it's one of those things that I can imagine it being quite vastly different just from student to student yes let alone workplace to to workplace yeah Yeah, this is it so i can imagine that the jump from being theoretically learning about all the parts involved to actually doing it yeah being pretty enormous i think it's huge yeah and i think both myself and the other members of the music therapy and team team in cornwall at the moment we still do a lot of jumping from one job to another yeah and there's quite huge gaps in how you interact with people in hospital compared to how you interact in school or how you are when you go into someone's home how you work online and we jump between them all the time <laughs> but that's part of the joy of the job it is surely like you absolutely know, if, you, yeah. if you didn't enjoy that then maybe it wouldn't be the job for you but you're exactly right <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you'd do it for very long if you didn't kind of enjoy that yeah and you definitely can't get bored but i think what the course taught me was how to think things through and how to respond emotionally, how to be grounded in a situation, you know, all those really basic skills that you need as a therapist. Yeah. I think that's where the course really sets you, you up for work. Do you think that the course was almost in place to cut the wheat from the chaff in some ways, student-wise? Because I know that I've got friends who are like doctors and they said that some of the initial parts of the course... Yeah are kind of to give people a real like is this what you want to be doing kind of thing did you find that or was it more open and i don't know less daunting it was a pretty daunting course yeah they tested you yeah for sure and they they put you out of your comfort zone a lot you had to do things that you weren't comfortable with yeah like just exploring the different ways in which you use music and your own emotional responses to things yeah and there were I think at least one person dropped out quite early in the course. Yeah, yeah. But but I think that's for the better because it prepares you then for, for the, when it becomes real. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and it's not an easy job. No. I would never say to people, you know, there's elements of job that are absolutely fantastic and really interesting, but it's not easy. No. And no, if you no. want an easy job, this is not one you choose. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a rewarding job, I absolutely, guess, is yeah. the... Is the it's that like weighing up of the two things isn't yeah. it One, rewarding and challenging yeah i would say but it's cool yeah it's cool and i i guess you're are you predominantly in younger children or mid like teenagers or or do you you're obviously you do all the way through but yeah, i've done all kinds yeah my current work is younger children uh, so. and what do you do you prefer teaching the younger children to the adults or i do actually yeah and i just think there's something about young children where when they meet you as a music therapist they never meet you as a music therapist right they meet you as someone who's come to pay attention to them and they engage with you in a very playful open way yeah and i think as soon as you get into probably secondary school age there's a sort of level of self-consciousness about the relationship between you that's different right and i think i really enjoy that the connection you get with younger children do you think by doing it with primary school children you prevent that a bit when they get older you know that they're less apprehensive about 
having therapy as they get older because they're more used to it as a a younger person i think that can really help especially for children who just due to the circumstances they live in they're going to face challenges throughout their whole life if they've had early experience of therapy where they felt safe they felt valued they felt listened to i think that can really help them to engage with support from all kinds of different services which is which is great that's a great outcome isn't it you know it means that they're not going to go unheard because they're afraid they're gonna they're gonna actually go out and get help when they need it yeah and we said earlier like i think that's maybe a bit of a downfall of us english people (laughs) in that we we covet our feelings quite a bit even Um, even now i mean there's a sort of a widespread suggestion that we're getting better at talking about mental health and emotional well-being but but are we yeah i'm not sure i think the pandemic really brought that out in a lot of people as well like i think a lot of people had time to focus on their feelings a bit more because they're at home yeah and a lot of people made a lot of um revelations about themselves during the pandemic do you know i think i think one of the things that happens though is we get stuck in our words and we get stuck with the limited vocabulary that we have to try and describe how we feel and express our inner selves and i think as soon as you use a creative means like music or art you can somehow get to different spaces yeah so i think that's where music therapy can really fit in and really help people yeah and you were saying earlier about um listening to music and actually thinking about how it makes you feel yeah which i'm sure loads of people including probably everyone who's watching this listens to music but you don't really take it that one step further and go actually how does this song make me actually feel it might make you feel happy or sad or whatever you think out loud but how does it actually make you feel how's it what are you actually taking away from it I, i found that really it was an interesting thought just bringing that up made my brain just go yeah i find with young people a lot i would if we're in a music therapy session i would ask them what song they want to use or what song they've been listening to recently and they might say something and quite often i would say well what is it about that song um you can get quite a lot of reflection around why they've chosen a particular song whether it was a suggestion from a friend or their mum and dad play it at home yeah or they remember it from a particular occasion years ago yeah because you do get like you do get periods sometimes where you just listen to like the same song or the same album or the same artist and it sticks with you for some reason yeah yeah Yeah. and you just do it for like a period of time like i have had albums in a car (laughs) for like a good month yeah the same album over and over over and over over and over again and it's not been bad to me to have that so it's obviously doing something at that point and when i hear that album now i think of that time or whatever it might be so i think it is interesting to analyze it thinking backwards as well because you just you just don't at the time when you're listening to music right no. i guess that's part of the beauty of it is that it's yeah it connects you to different places yeah. and different feelings yeah and it and it can take your mind away from things at the same time yes you know and you can be then reminded by getting back to that yeah. <laughs> it's just an interesting way of i think i think there's sometimes when you're going through times in your life and you can't quite express how you feel to people and you can't quite connect and mm. you can't quite feel understood and sometimes you'll just hear a piece of music or a song and you think yeah that's it <laughs> that's the one they've <laughs> that, got me yeah they got me and that, that's sometimes how simple it is yeah yeah and that, it makes complete sense yeah it makes complete sense so 
I normally talk a lot here about performances and yeah. and how a lot of musicians perform a lot, but I, I know that from talking to you that you actually haven't performed a lot because maybe no. maybe because of those early it's not something I'm drawn to. <laughs> I think I said this to you earlier as well. As a young person through university and my A level and my GCSE, I made a massive big deal out of performing in my head. I would get really anxious about it and worry about it. I don't think I enjoyed it at all. Yeah. No. I sort of there was something about the challenge of learning a piece and getting ready for a performance that I wanted to do. Yeah. actually being on a stage wasn't a fun thing <laughs> didn't like it and I don't know how much that's because almost all those situations I was being assessed yeah. or judged in some way yeah, yeah. so there was a lot of pressure yeah it wasn't a you know let's just get together and play for fun kind of situation no. so but I think a lot's changed now if someone asks me to play now and says you know it's somebody's wedding do you want to prepare a piece yeah I would do that in a much more positive enjoyable way yeah, yeah and i would do it without creating a lot of stress for myself yeah because i because i said to you i i used to be extremely stressed performing yeah like almost sick i was so stressed <laughs> but it, it was it was because when i first started i started doing a music course at the same time that i started playing an instrument which is yeah. not wise so you went straight into having to play in front of people without really the skills to exactly that to yeah <laughs> which is yeah. like i said not wise not the best <laughs> choice but it's the choice i made so i stuck with it yeah <laughs> and um yeah it, i was just so stressed about it and but now i i don't i don't even think about perform like i have walked onto a stage with hundreds of people in front of me yeah and not been thinking about where's my coffee or <laughs> i'm really hungry and not really anything beyond those two thoughts or like oh, i'm quite tired tonight yeah <laughs> like, and you just play and then and then play for two and a half hours or whatever yeah. it might be like i don't it's it's so weird now i think about how i used to act yeah but i'm guessing you're not on your own in stage are you with the band no but i was i was because i did a performance course when i started oh, yeah. i was always with a band i, I never did yeah. solo performance and if you go and listen to a solo bass player you're, you're not doing good things you might want to rethink <laughs> i've never done that your, are you suggesting yeah. that i never do that yeah well <laughs> i mean that there are some very good solo bass players but name one i think only bass players go and watch <laughs> them <laughs> there's a reason why we don't get bass solos very often yeah um, although I put so them in every even song, even being with a band in those early days, you'd get really nervous. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though I was in the back, I was behind someone as well. Yeah. I used to be really good at hiding behind people. <laughs> it's a bass, it's a bass player secret, but yeah. you get very good at hiding. Literally hiding yeah. behind people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. literally like. I think that must be a lot easier because I was trying to play classical guitar and it's very exposing. Yeah, it's just you and your guitar. Yeah, and they make yeah. horrible noises if you make if you yeah. play the wrong string. <laughs> really squeaky. And yeah, 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 yeah. They and like all the like if you play the wrong string, string that is and it's muted. You just get that like horrible click that seems yeah. to resonate through the whole room. Yeah, yeah I, I have had that now. I I have done performances by myself now, but um, yeah, I didn't have to do that when I first started. Thankfully, no. thankfully, I think that would have been um, much more difficult. Much more difficult. Yeah. But I think there's something really nice now about the idea of playing music. And it's just because I don't think I'd... I just all that worry about whether I'm doing it well enough 
isn't there. I mm. think I would be able to focus on playing and therefore probably play better. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter so much. Yeah. I the some of the best advice that was given to me that um that I've it's always stuck with me ever since and it's probably the reason why I'm not so worried about it is is one of my teachers um who's a really great musician. He said that um every note you play is a piece of music and once you play it it's gone it's out there yeah it happened it's over yeah yeah. Yeah. and he was like so why why would you ever worry about something that's gone and and that that rings massively yeah it rings massively true for me like i play so many wrong notes i'm really good at how many people notice but no one notices um but it it just doesn't matter because it's it's all part of that song that one performance and those people got to see that performance. So maybe you played the best solo in the world, but only those people are going to know that. Yeah. Well, I don't think, as an audience member, I've obviously seen people play wrong notes or forget the lyrics to their song or yeah, yeah. stumble or break a guitar string. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. But it's only as a grown-up you potentially realise that. Yeah, I think it's a much bigger deal when you're... I think especially when you're hyper focused on the fact that you want it to be right or sound amazing (laughs) which which is an anomaly in itself isn't it you know (laughs) yes well i think that's one of the things i love about music therapy is that we're never focused on it sounding amazing we're focused on the experience people are having and the sound whether it sounds amazing just is not that important at all and i think that if someone is focused on the experience anyway but they'd probably play the song better. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, if they were more focused on just having fun and playing music, yeah, they're always going to play the song better than if they are worried about playing a wrong note. Yes. Because they will always play the wrong note. You won't because your fingers stiffen up or yeah. shake or whatever happens, happens. It's like saying yeah. to someone not to say a word. You'll always say that word. <laughs> so I think we'll bring this now around somewhat to where we were at the beginning okay and there are there's one main question yeah which always brings up the second question so i won't tell you the second one but the the main question is what role does music now play to you as an adult because we heard as a child your dad was playing music but obviously you don't live with your dad anymore no so um what what is life like for you now as a music therapist and an adult well, music obviously has a big role in my work. Yeah. So I wouldn't be able to do my work without playing music and encouraging other people to play music. And I think just by the very nature of the job, I get to try out all different kinds of instruments and have a go at lots of different things. Yeah. And I think that idea of trying to polish up a piece of music to make it perfect isn't featured very much. Quite often I'm sort of busking a version of a song in a session <laughs> and then we won't play it again. Yeah. So... It has a playful role, I think, in work. But music isn't just in work, it's in life as well. And I think it's something that helps connect with other people. You know, if you suggest a song to someone and they enjoy it, I think you get a sort of personal connection from yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, and just generally talking about music. Yeah. Like, I still just generally talk to people about music. Yeah. Like, as an adult, just like I did as a teenager or whatever. Yeah, it's something you can connect with people over, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And a shared taste in music. You know, if if someone actually even beyond that maybe, even 
an opposing taste in music i think as an adult you can even understand that and appreciate that someone's really passionate about a different kind of music yeah so you can connect if you both like the same music but equally you can you can connect that you don't like the same music which is i could have never thought about that as a as a teenager definitely i think i was quite closed off on the kind of music i liked as a teenager yeah as most are but by people telling you what they like they're telling you something about themselves yeah and that's that's a connecting thing even if it means that you don't have the same preference yeah exactly so yeah. presumably you're still listening to music i still listen to music yeah so what are you listening to at the minute oh that no i hate the, that question the, the second question <laughs> <laughs> i drove home yesterday listening to michael kiwanuka who's one of my current favorite who's that i've He's, never heard of this have person. you never heard of this I've person he won the mercury that. music prize last year I do oh. vaguely recognise the name but I have yeah. not listened to him oh, He's what a singer-songwriter He plays okay. cross-genre sort of soul, jazz-influenced folkish type songs and he's got Sounds a beautiful cool. voice and he's well worth listening to That's cool what al- What's his album called? Um, it wasn't the newest album that I was listening to I think it's called Home Again Okay. I feel like I should know that for sure. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that's, that's like a that's a very like classic singer songwriter <laughs> album name, isn't it? Home yeah. again. <laughs> well, that's where we all start off with, though, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I used to love what music says to me. This is home. Yeah, I used yeah. to love this singer songwriter guy called. Uh, oh, oh, no, the name. <laughs> it'll pop in your head in a minute. Yeah, it'll, it'll come back in a minute. But his album is called Coming Home so it's pretty yeah. similar yes <laughs> yeah and um he what? he's got a very weird name as well i cannot think of his name dallas green not someone i know no no mm. he's like um he's from a very very heavy rock band okay but he also does like an acoustic band and he does a band with pink i've heard of is, her yeah, yeah you've heard of her <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. they did like a country album together which is kind of yeah. cool i was trying really. to play a pink song last week for music therapy oh really called cover me in sunshine oh is it that was, one of her newer ones didn't it? it did have a kind of country edge to it so yeah it, she she's gone quite country i think yeah. yeah but this album she did with dallas green is super super country okay that's interesting um, yeah it's really good i forget it's called you and i i believe but yeah but he's a uh, even though he's in a really heavy rock band, he does these kind of like singer, songwriter, ambient, acoustic things. So yeah, but that's called Coming Home, which is fairly close. Yes. So what's his name again? Michael Kiwanuka. How do you spell the last bit? <laughs> K-I-W-A-N-U-K-A. Yeah, I need that because else I'll never be able to spell it when I look yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Or but I, I, listen to all, I listen to all kinds of things. I just, whenever people ask me the question, what do you listen to? I don't know. Something new. Yeah. Something new each time. I don't know the answer because I forget. That's good though. Like, I'm just terrible with names, as was previously demonstrated about two seconds ago. (laughs) It's always useful to look up people's um, Apple Music or something, isn't it? Because then you can find out what they actually listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Facts facts are there. They'll lie to you and then it's all... Yeah. On your most played... I don't know what's embarrassing now. I don't know what is currently embarrassing. <laughs> no one's really that worried about things being embarrassing anymore, no. I don't think. People just are what they are. Yeah, they just listen to stuff now. Yeah. I, I remember when when I was in college, it used to be like really embarrassing to listen to this person or that person. But yeah. I, I th- there, was, there was a thing, wasn't there, when someone got really popular, yeah. it would become uncool yeah, to yeah. listen to them. 
but it's equally like cool by another group of people. <laughs> At the same time, it's yeah. cool and uncool. Yes. Yeah. It's complicated. Yeah. It, it's yeah. music. Yeah. All music is complicated. Yeah. Now I, I get led by my daughter a bit now as well. What she likes. Oh yeah. She's five and she's starting to develop her own tastes. Yeah. If I did that, it would be Baby Shark, and okay. that is not a. Um, <laughs> it's not a path I want to. Don't go down there. No. Nope. No. No. We we don't want to go down the Baby Shark path. Oh, there's a movie which I do not recommend to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll you'll get to see it, I'm sure, if you have Baby a Baby Shark, the movie. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. Absolutely terrible. I'm sorry you've had to endure that. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, it's music still. She loves music, and that is the important bit. Yeah, she'll develop from there. Yeah, hopefully. She will. <laughs> she will. So, I think that brings us pretty much to the end. I hope you've managed to gain a little bit of inspiration to think about your music a little bit more and why you're doing things. I, I think, like I said earlier on, we, we barely ever do that and it's really really important and also remember that every pathway leads to your goals eventually so try and take them all and hopefully you'll end up exactly where you're meant to be and until next time bye